It's the sound of a distant train hauling the heart out of the mountain. The sound of a country. Hey, y'all! Welcome to the Holler Sounds podcast. This is Josh Trosper. Uh, just wanted to give you a little backstory uh, about what Holler Sounds is. Uh, about two years ago, before we uh, fired up our uh, first outdoor Laurel Cove Music Festival, uh, I wanted to start a YouTube channel to uh, document live music from my perspective. Uh, that's kind of how I build it. Um, and I uh, got a few videos. Uh, it was a learning process. Um, but it has evolved. Uh, usually every show I go to, I try to collect a couple of videos from each performer and a couple of uh, pictures uh, to put up. I really, really the, the basis is to, to get the word out about music in Kentucky, uh, music that comes to Kentucky. Um, you know, I, I try not to, to limit to just one genre. Uh, there's some rock. Uh, a lot of country, uh, a lot of Americana, if you can call it that. Um, but uh, this is this is number one. This is podcast number one for Holler Sounds Podcast. Uh, and I can't think of a better topic to start off with than talking about an album that's coming out Friday, May 26th, Tim Gooden. Uh with me today is Mr. Jason Parton. Uh, I've known Jason for a couple of years uh, through the music scene here in Bell County, southeastern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So uh, I want to just take a minute, uh, welcome Jason to the podcast, and just talk a little bit about um, how we met. Hey, man. Glad to be here. Glad to be talking to you today. Uh, you know, this is kind of the most comfortable setting I could possibly be in. You know, it's uh, it's good to be in company of one of your best friends. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, I met uh, met Josh back a, a few years ago. Uh, we kind of all got together through the common goal of music. Uh, I've, I've said it a million times. If nothing in this world will bring you together, music will bring people together. Uh, through music, I've met a lot of people there may not be blood, but uh, they're family. Uh, so me and Josh met a few years back, and uh, we went on some quite quite a few adventures together. Uh, being, uh, I, I guess, no, most notably was our uh, few day stay at Kicking on the Creek, uh, which was uh, heaven on earth. Heaven on earth, yeah. To to, to sum it up in uh, so many few words, uh, the greatest. Uh, Festival that's, in my opinion, it's ever been put together probably since Woodstock, I'd say, um, and I don't, I don't say those words lightly. But uh, we've been on some pretty good runs. Uh, well, we're going on what year five of Laurel Cove Festival, if you count the year we were off for COVID. Is that, is that right? Four, four. Five? I think it's four. Okay, all right. Uh, Time flies when you're having fun. It does. It does. Uh, so uh, we uh, we help. Uh, of course, you know John Grace is the the, the king king man for that. But uh, we play a very small part and try to help out with Laurel Cove. And um, I think uh, we've done a few single shows and uh, Bell Theater, which is where we're at today. 
which is pretty cool, the historic Bell Theater. Uh, thought it was pretty fitting since uh, me and Josh has spent a, many, a, many a nights here in this theater, listed as some of the best music that uh, Kentucky has to offer. Uh, not just Kentucky, we have artists from all over the place. But uh, So, uh, yeah, we, me and Josh, uh, we, we came, started out as just friends and uh, now more like uh, brothers. And uh, um, we were working on a, a couple of ventures together, uh, uh, most notably the farm, which is a management company I think we're going to dig into in a few minutes, but uh, uh, we're working on it. And uh, um, just just good friends and do a lot of, lot of stuff together, and it's, uh, it, it, it's turned out to be a, a really cool thing. Like Jason said, we're we're at the the historic Bell Theater down here in the heart of Pineville, Kentucky. We uh, we miss we 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 misplanned or, or didn't plan good enough uh, when we set this up because uh, we are down here right in the middle of Mount Laurel Festival. And if you don't know what the Mount Laurel Festival is, it's one of the the oldest uh, continuously ran festivals in. The state of Kentucky. It is uh, the oldest festival. Oldest festival yep. in Kentucky. Um, culminating in a uh, coronation, uh, Queen's coronation, uh, at the Laurel Cove Amphitheater, uh, which until we started having the Laurel Cove Music Festival up there, uh, that is about the only time between a couple of, of theater productions here and there uh, and some weddings. That's about the only only thing that was going on there. And um, if you've never been to Laurel Cove Amphitheater, uh, I, I suggest you change that and get there. Uh, even if you're just visiting from out of town and, and you want to get away for a day and uh, check out the scenery, it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, we've been seeing pictures from the, the Mount Laurel Festival getting set up, and um, it, it's just mind-blowing how beautiful it is so i, I i'm gonna go back I, I know i remember the the first time i i remember recognizing and seeing jason uh, i think it was cumberland mountain fall festival probably 18 probably with 18. john r miller sonora may and uh layback lay country picker um, i remember seeing uh this dude walking by and thinking that is a majestic beard. <laughs> and, um, you know, a couple of times in passing, uh, and like Jason said, we're, we're pretty much family now. Uh, and, you know, it's just, you love going through this and, and you love putting these things on with your best friends and you get to, to you know, we work hard. Uh, we work hard uh, loading uh, musicians in. We work hard running the, the front of house. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, every now and then you can stop and take a breath and, and hug some necks and, and thank God or whoever's out there that we are in this time and place that we can witness some great music. Now, people don't realize what goes on behind the scenes of, of, of those things, man. There's, uh, you know, that's, uh, 
I, I know one one thing in, in particular that I remember. Josh, Josh pretty much saved the day. I don't know if you if you know y'all listen out there. It uh, uh, went to the Steelwoods uh, fan club show, but uh, uh, we had some power issues and. Uh, Josh drove his truck to, uh, was it Corbin? Corbin. Corbin. Picked up a generator, uh, huge, huge generator, three-phase, and brought it down, hooked it up. Uh, we had to delay, what, three hours? Uh, I don't know. I know that I learned how to back a generator into a very tight place. <laughs> There's no good way to get anything <laughs> in and out of Laurel Cove. So Josh saved the day on that, and... Uh, you know, it's just things like that that people don't see that uh, that goes into it. You know, there's you can you can start out and plan for something small, but even those smallest gigs, man, it turns into a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. You know, whether it's loading in and out, uh, keeping the artist. Uh, you know, that that's the biggest thing that we base everything that we do on is hospitality. Uh, we want the people that come, not only the, the artists, but the people that come to the shows to feel welcome, uh, to feel like uh, feel like they're a Bell Countyan. I mean, that, that's we want them to feel like this is their home. When they leave, we want them to come back, and you know, the next year they can't wait to get back because you know it's it's kind of like a homecoming, and that's that's what we built at uh, at Laurel Cove, and and even you know here at these uh, one-off shows here at the theater and. And other places, you know, it's it's basically it's a homecoming. You see, when when the artists get out, ninety percent of them first thing they do, they come and hug their necks. And you know, uh, we can't wait to see them. They can't wait to see us. We we've, we've built some good relationships with those, those folks, and it's been a, it's been a, an adventure, man. And uh, I'll say it, you know, I I, I can't uh, can't express more at at this family that we have made through the Laurel Cove and and all this stuff between us that, that work it, you know, there's not a day. I may go days and not talk to my blood relatives, but I talk to these guys usually every day, whether it be on the phone, uh, through our group chat, whatever. We talk every day, and, you know, we plan on this stuff. Laurel Cove ends on Saturday. Usually we start Monday planning for the next year. So, you know, I mean, there, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. Usually Sunday's trying to keep people from getting towed. Right. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I'm getting chills just talking about Laurel Cove, and uh, we've got about a little less than three weeks uh, before uh, the 2023 version comes out. Uh, we could talk about it all day, uh, but we are going to cut to the real, the real, real reason why we're we're here today, uh, and we're going to talk about Tim Gooden and Tim's album that is releasing on Friday. So, uh, you know, Jason, just tell us a little bit about uh, your, your background with Tim and um, how this uh, journey came to be. Well, you know, uh, I've known Tim for quite a few years. Um, Tim and I started, I guess it was probably 2013, 2014, somewhere in that area. We started playing music together and... Uh, we just kind of hit it off, man, become good friends. And uh, we played for, you know, probably two or three years. You know, we played every honky-tonk dive around here. Uh, played played the Oasis several times, uh, which is in – it's non-existent anymore. But anybody that's from Bell County or 
the tri-state area, they know the Oasis well. Um, and, and I'm going to tell this little story because I like to make a plug at Tim. Um, so uh, we, we, we played at uh, the Oasis several, probably I'd say four or five Fridays, Saturdays uh, in a row. Um, and so I, I had this, uh, this old flat top, Martin, and uh, real, really partial to it. And it didn't have any of the electric hookups. It was just straight acoustic. And uh, Tim told me, he's like, hey, man, he's like, uh, you know, you're micing this guitar. And uh, it sounds good. But he said, we need to get you where we can plug you straight into the board and make it sound good. I was like, all right, man. So I went on uh, online, ordered a, another Martin uh, acoustic electric. Had it uh, had it shipped to uh, to Knoxville, and went down to um, Guitar Center, and so we went down, uh, checked out the guitar, liked it really well. Uh, brought it home, got everything straightened up, ready for the next show. We went and played the Oasis the next week and played that one show. And uh, you know, Tim's local boy, he's from over on. Highway 92, I'd, I'd say Greasy Creek, that's what we call it. And I'd say up on Greasy where people live easy. And I don't, uh, Tim, Tim always get, we always get a chuckle out of it. But, uh, but anyway, so uh, we, uh, I got that guitar and we played one show and the next show comes up and it, or next, next week and we're supposed to practice. Tim calls me. We, I think we was practicing on Tuesday evenings, Monday evenings, Tuesday evenings, and he calls me up. It was like on a Sunday, and he said, hey, man, he said, uh, probably not going to practice this week. You know, and I give, I think it was $1,700 I give for this guitar. And uh, Tim said, hey, we're probably not going to practice this week. I was like, okay, cool, man, what's going on? He's like, uh, well, i got to go to Alabama in the morning. I was like, okay, cool. I was like, uh, when you coming back, he said, well, I'm probably not. And I said, do what? And he's like, yeah, I'm probably not, man. I got a job opportunity. And, you know, the coal industry had died out here. And uh, Tim was, uh, was selling insurance. And he'll tell you, uh, he tells a story on stage a lot. Uh, it's either feast or famine selling insurance. You're either making a whole lot of money or you're on starvation. And uh, so anyway, he, he moves off to Alabama and, you know, we'd talk, we'd see each other. He'd come home, and we'd see each other. And then uh, uh, probably it'd been six years, um, he'd lived in Alabama, and he calls me up. It's just randomly. He calls me up, and he goes, hey, man, uh, been thinking about something. I was like, all right. He's like, uh, I put a couple songs up on TikTok, and uh, he said, they done, they done pretty decent. He said, uh, I put a couple covers up, and he said, I got some hits. He said, but uh, me and Leanna wrote a song, he said, uh, called Pills and Poverty. And he said, Pills and Poverty, he said, I came home once, and uh, he said, been gone a couple years, and he said, ran into this guy, and he said, I didn't know who he was. And said, he introduced himself to me, and he said, I, I knew the name, but I didn't know the face. He said, so we went back to Alabama, and he said, you know, he said, that was weighing hard on me. He said, you know, he said, people that I'd known my whole life, and he said, I didn't, didn't recognize them. 
He said, so we, we sat down, and uh, me and Leanna, he said, we, we wrote this song out. He said, it didn't take long at all to write it. And uh, he said, I, I uploaded on, on TikTok, he said, after getting some traction, he said, I thought I'd, I'd try one of my own songs, still the cover. So he puts up uh, Pills and Poverty, and man, within 24 hours, he'd had over 100,000 100, hits on that song. And like, it went viral, and um, he said, you know, he said, it got thinking, you know, got me thinking, maybe I should try this. Maybe I should give it another go. You know, because when he was here, there, the music scene was non-existent. There was no music. And Alabama had some pretty good stuff going on down there, but, you know, he, he played, you know, a little bit here and there, but he basically quit for probably five or six years. And uh, so he uh, he thought he'd give another go, and, you know, I, I knew some, some people here, and uh, he asked me, he said, uh, man, he said, you know, I know you won't do me wrong. He said, I'd like for you to manage me. And I'm going to tell this, too, and he, he, we always get a chuckle out of it, too. He says, uh, he said, I want you to manage me. I said, man, listen, I do good to manage to get up out of bed in the morning. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know I said about managing. I said, uh, you know, give me a couple of days. So, I get, you know, we gave it a couple of days, and, I called him back, and I said, man, you know, I said, I think I'm going to give it a try. Well, we, we started out, man, and it was, it, it, I, I won't lie, starting out, it, it, was, it was tough. Uh, nobody had heard of Tim Gooden uh, other than, you know, local folks. You know, they knew he could sing. People have been listening to him, you know, for years and various little bands and ventures that he had, you know. People, people kind of kind of remembered him and stuff. But outside of that, you know, I call these venues, I had no idea who Tim Good was. And, uh, you know, so we we had made up, we played a couple of places here locally. And uh, we went on our first trip that was outside of Bell County and, and, you know, the surrounding counties. We I think we were going to, I believe it was Vanceburg, um, up to Tim Poe's place there at River Bend. And... We were on the way up there, and he got quiet for a few minutes. He said, you know what? He said, I got something I need to tell you. I said, what's that? He said, you hurt my feelings. I said, I hurt your feelings? He said, yeah, you hurt my feelings. He said, uh, I asked you to manage me. And said, you said, uh, give me a couple days. He's like, I was wondering, you know, does this guy believe in me? You know, he played music with me and never said anything. And, I was like, man, listen, it had nothing to do with you. You have more talent in your pinky than a lot of people do in their whole body. You know, it's had everything to do with me. And, you know, from from that day on, man, we, we've we've been on a, man, it's been a rocket ship. And, uh, we've been fortunate. We've played some really good venues. We've played some, some not-so-good places, um, you know, that the crowd really wasn't into it. And, you know, that's okay because, you know, Here's here's Tim's philosophy on things. It doesn't matter if the whole crowd is talking. If there's four or five people out there that's really paying attention, those are the people he plays to. You know, you, you don't matter who you are. Uh, I'm sure Elvis Presley had people talking during his shows. You know, and so you know, we've we've had some really good success. Um, played some really cool places. We got to play the caverns, man. Um, Caverns is absolutely mind-blowing. Um, 
It's uh, Grundy, Tennessee. Uh, Manchester. 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 Yeah, it was. So that that place was super cool. You you pull up and you can't even tell there's a cave there, and then you start walking, and all of a sudden it just kind of drops off, and then you just it opens up into this big huge cavern. When we done sound check, I was like, man, this place is gonna suck. Like the echo and stuff in there. Man, they started packing bodies in there. That place is the greatest place on earth, man, for acoustic. It's great. But, you know, we, so that was, uh, that was uh, New Year's Eve? New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve with Cole Chaney and the Steelwoods. Steelwoods. Yep. We went on a, I believe it was an eight-show eight run with Steelwoods. Uh, we played um, Fort Smith, Arkansas, uh, Springfield, Illinois, Jeffersonville, Tennessee. Uh, Je- sorry, Jeffersonville, Indiana. Um, so that show, uh, we were on our way from Springfield, and everybody thinks that the the whole touring lifestyle is glamorous and stuff. I'll tell you right now, it sucks. <laughs> you know, if you have a bus driver to drive you between shows, it's it's the coolest thing ever. You know, lay back, the bus pulls up. You know, he drives all night. You pull in at Nine ten o'clock in the morning, you get up, you got the whole day. If you don't have a bus driver, which I was Tim's bus driver, you sleep a couple hours in a motel room, then you get up, jump in the vehicle, and you drive. We drove from Fort Smith, Arkansas, over to Springfield, Illinois, which was about six or seven hours. Got out, went sound check, went got something to eat, came back to the venue, played. Slept three hours, got back in the vehicle, drove to Jeffersonville, Indiana. So on, on the way there, Tim was feeling pretty rough. Like, I'm talking about this guy was sick. And we were driving. And Tim doesn't do well being sick at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're driving. You know, I'm, I'm worried about him because, like, he just keeps getting worse and worse. And I'm like, man, are you okay? Yeah, man, I'm all right. And he wasn't saying much, and we drove on. He was not out to sleep, and he come back. And I'd say, Tim, you all right? Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm all right. So finally, he's like, man, would you just shut up and let me sleep? I was like, I <laughs> go. You know, so we get there. The man's voice is gone, like absolutely shot. It's done. He, he can barely speak his own name, can't carry on the conversation. He goes in and lays down in the hotel room. And so we go out. Probably about 45 minutes in there to show and um, do a few little things there, try to get his voice straightened back up. And he goes on stage, and like, I'm worried. And he tells, he gives a full disclaimer when he gets on stage. He's like, Guys, this is either be the best show you've ever seen, or this is going to be the worst show you're ever going to see. I don't know which, but we're going to try it. The man eats a bottle of honey while he's on stage. I'm talking about a full, probably 16 ounce bottle of honey. <laughs> We had a bigger crowd reaction for that show, probably the best sounding and probably the most energy we've ever had in a show ever at that night. It just, I don't know what happened. I don't know where it came from, but Does he, he pulled keep the honey. Yeah, he, keep, yeah he, he keeps <laughs> honey. Well, there's always honey close by. So, but you know, we had those three runs, and then the next week we played at Tony's in McKaysville, um, Georgia, I think it was. That was on Thanksgiving weekend. We played that Saturday. Then the next week, we had the leg that went to Memphis, Tennessee, up to Covington, Kentucky, 
and then straight down to Wahala, South Carolina. We drove 1,700 uh, miles in three days. And so when I say it's not glamorous at all, it's really not glamorous. And so then we finished it up with the caverns, which was kind of, that was the icing on the cake, man. That, that place was super awesome. You know, we got to play with Cole and, uh, and Steelwoods, and we were very fortunate to get that, uh, that run and gained a lot of fans, uh, gained a lot of friends from that run. And so, you know, we, we've, we've done pretty well. Tim's done, done great since then. Uh, I don't think we had a three-week since New Year's Eve. We've had three weekends off. And we, we kind of scheduled that in a row because we were all getting burnt out. And so we took some time. Uh, well, kind of going back, um, you, you know, one of the things that, that you hear a lot about in the music industry now is kind of pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, and, and smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, you have bands that were just getting ready to hit their stride. Uh, and everything shuts down. You have people who released just phenomenal albums, but due to the pandemic, it just did not re reach the audience. They weren't allowed to, you know, really tour uh, on those albums. I mean, just off the top of my head, you've got um, Justin Wells, the United States, phenomenal album, yep. and uh, in you know, right in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, Die Midwestern from Arlo McKinley, a phenomenal record. Um, and Ian No, uh, yep. Ian No's uh, latest album, and, and I, that was one of the best albums. And that, I, that was kind of on the tail end of the pandemic, but I still think the effects of everything uh, had an impact on touring and, and getting behind that album, and, and it is a phenomenal album. The thing that Tim really, yeah, he really excelled at was embracing social media. Yep. Um, and and you know uh, you see that a lot with Zach Bryan's earliest uh, stuff. You know, constantly releasing videos and TikToks and uh, building a fan base there. Uh, I put things up on TikTok very similar to what I put on YouTube. It's more smaller clips but anything i put a tim up it's it shoots right up and in, in, in the thousands and tens of thousands of views so tim tim really embraced the social media aspect of it um i remember when when you shared you know just a little snippet and that that tim wanted you to to manage him and the first time i heard his voice i was blown away uh, it was like nothing that is out. Right. It's like nothing that has that that is what you would quote unquote say is big now. It's it, it's country. Um, I saw the first time I saw Tim in, uh, in person was uh, probably a year ago, mm -hmm. um, Friday or Thursday from the the. Um, set that he did at the Mount Laurel Festival. Um, and I felt bad because here he had traveled up, was playing in front of hometown crowd, and, I mean, it was just chatter. Mm -hmm. And But Tim played his heart out. Um, you know, he didn't let it bother him. And, you know, from that point, his 
trajectory trajectory has went straight up. Yeah. Uh, he played Laurel Cove just a few weeks after uh, on the, the Creekside stage, um, kind of late afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, large crowd came down to watch him, uh, you know, and, and you look around and, and people have tears in their eyes uh, mm-hmm. from these songs that will just rip your heart out. Uh, and they are, I mean, the, the only way I can describe them as home. Yeah, it, it, everything he does is about life, man. It's, it's stuff that everybody's lived at one point in time. And one of the things that, that I really commend him for, and, and, you know, it's easy for me to say because, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, I also, you know, help out with the farm and, you know, anything that, that you all need help with, I, I kind of jump in and help and, you know, spreading the word. But Tim is doing things his own way. Um, he released a five song EP mm-hmm. um, that was recorded in his bedroom uh, on a, a a Mac that was uh, yes. Yeah, so so, so <laughs> the that that's that story right there is cool in itself. You know that that five song EP, man. Uh, so. He's, he tells the story on, on on stage, and I've I've heard it several times. And he said uh, he had this guy reach out to him from Nashville and wanted him to do some writing. Uh, actually, wanted wanted him to come to Nashville and meet with him and stuff. And then uh, he said uh, he gets talking to him, and uh, the guys want him to come to Nashville and record or write with some of Nashville writers. And uh, he said that uh, he didn't think that uh, Tim would have any chart success with uh, the songs that he's writing. He said, you know, he said, uh, you know, it's, it's, you just don't hear that stuff on the radio. And Tim said, thank you. He said, thank you. He's like, yeah, you know, he said, I ain't heard nothing on the radio in the last probably 10, 15, 20 years that has any substance to it. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you paid me the biggest compliment in the world when you said they wouldn't play my songs on the radio. And so... Uh, he got to thinking, he's like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this EP and then he went to checking on the cost of of you know studio time. It was like twenty twenty between two thousand and twenty five hundred dollars a song, you know. And he said, you know, he said, I didn't have that kind of money. He said just laying around, but he said what I had was credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that story a couple <laughs> times. Yeah, and he said, So I went and bought a MacBook and a Bought a MacBook and a, a cool microphone. He's a really, really good microphone. And he's got a spare bedroom in his house. And he's uh, kind of turned into his little studio. And uh, it's kind of look, if you read the back of the, the EP on the back of it, it says Lucky Penny Studios. Lucky Penny Studios, when they first moved in that house, they were looking. And in the door jam where the door latches, for some reason, it wouldn't latch out of the way, so somebody had stuck a penny inside that door jam and so that it would latch. So that's where Lucky Penny Studios <laughs> come from. So he recorded that whole EP, and then he sent it to or the guy that used to play lead guitar uh, in our old band. He sent it to him, Ernie Hill, and uh, that's where Over the Hill Records came from. You know. So anyway, he puts out this EP, 
you know, him and this guy that from Nashville, they just, you know, agreed to disagree, you know. And uh, that guy, before he got off the phone, he's like, well, good luck to you. You're probably not going to see any chart success. I like to call it the little EP that could. That EP, man, has had give us so many opportunities. And that EP it stayed on the Billboard chart, or not the Billboard, the iTunes charts for I don't know how many weeks, but it was forever. But it debuted at number 11 on the iTunes charts, and it, it debuted at number 8 on the Bluegrass Billboard charts, which blew us away. We both thought that it was just a hoax. I got an email in our booking email, and I, I looked at the, at the email, and, you know, Tim had called me, and he's like, man, see if this, this is legit. You know, it's from Billboard. So I went back, and, you know, I, I've done some uh, reverse lookups on the email. And there was three different emails, and they all came back to Billboard. So I called him. Him and his wife were eating supper at a little restaurant there in Millbrook, Alabama. And so I called him. I was like, man, this is legit. I said, this is legit. I said, this is from Billboard. He's like, shut up, man. There's no way. Like, yeah, absolutely. Him and his wife couldn't finish eating. They left, went home, and sure enough, on Tuesday, we, we charted at number eight on the Billboard charts. And I said, we, Tim, Tim debuted, you know, number eight. And um, blew, blew our minds. That little EP, man, it stayed right there in the top 200 on iTunes. for. And, and I'm not looking for every, it may still be there, I don't know. But it, it was so long, we just quit looking. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, and, and it's still... You know, right up to, to right now when we're getting ready to release this new album Friday, you know, it still has what, it's what's carried us to this point. So, <clears throat> five song EP mm -hmm. on a, a, a Mac and a, a microphone in a, in a spare bedroom. And, you know, that led, led to opening for Steel Woods, it led to opening for Nicholas Jamerson. Um, you know, playing shows all over some very beautiful venues. Okay. Um, and, you know, I think it's safe to say that the uniqueness of his voice and, and who Tim is and just how hard that he has worked opened up to this mind-blowing opportunity to record um, this first full-length album. Mm -hmm. And I know... It's hard to keep the cat in the bag. Um, you know, it's the secret that just couldn't stay a secret. But uh, this album was recorded with the Food Stamps. And yes. for those that don't know, the Food Stamps are Tyler Childers' backing band. And uh, it's not something, I mean, they are all phenomenal musicians uh, in their own rights you know, classically trained in, in, in many cases. And this is not something that they do. No. Um, so t tell a little bit about how that came to be. So uh, my buddy, our buddy, I should say, uh, got acquainted again through, through music, um, Charlie Hatcher, which uh, – Manages uh, Arlo McKinley, works for um, Whizbang. Yes, sorry, I had a memory lapse there for a minute, but uh, works for Whizbang and uh, manages Arlo McKinley. 
Um, got to be good friends with, with Charlie, super, super good guy. Um, so me and Charlie had talked uh, a couple times, and he had a couple things that uh, he wanted to, to do with Tim in the future and um, wanted to get him on some shows. And uh, so we, we were talking. He's like, uh, so Tim, Tim's still riding on that five-song EP or y'all got some new material or, you know, what what's going on? I was like, man, listen, he's got a full album ready to record. But, you know, we just... Be honest, we we ain't got the money to put out twenty five thousand dollars in a Nashville studio, and you know, pay all these world class instrumentalists to play in the back as a band, and you know, we're just now starting to piece together a band, and and the ones that we we've got picked, they're. I like to call them the Kentucky All Stars. They're super phenomenal, but uh, but anyway, um, so we were talking, and he's like, "Hey man, listen." He said, "I've got a buddy." He said, "You need to get a hold of." He says, "Got a studio. He'll he'll do you right. He'll 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 set you up." He said, uh, uh, "Give him a call." And so he gave me the number, and he says, uh, "His name is James." He says, "James Barker." I said, are you talking about Tyler Steel Player? He's like, yeah, yeah. He said, so they have they have a, a recording studio. He said, uh, give James a call. He said, tell him that, that I told you to call. And so the next day, I gave him a call, and, you know, I thought, man, you know, his, he, he told me, he said, you know, you probably get the food stamps to play with you. And I was like, oh, you know, I, I, that, that's kind of a big thing, you know, food stamps are in our opinion, is like way up there on the chain, man. I mean, there's – man, Jesse Wells, oh, my God. So, anyway, uh, I I called James up. He's a super cool guy from the minute I started talking to him. He just – it's like I'd known him my whole life. And me and James started talking. I told him, you know, kind of what Tim wanted to do. And he said, hey, man, he said, uh, you know, I, I've heard of Tim. He said, uh, send me um, – uh, a few of his songs and and let me hear what he has you know what it was you know music is and uh, we'll uh, we'll see what we can do and so I sent him you know the full EP and it goes probably I think it was probably two or three days he sent me back a, a text and said hey I got your got the the EP and you know I'm gonna give it a listen and so he goes on about three days and uh Oddly enough, me and John Grace and Dave Shoemaker and Jacob Brown had went to Knoxville to see Drayton Farley. And uh, so we were standing talking to Drayton, and my phone rang, and I looked down, and it said James Barker, and I was like, oh, man, you know, <laughs> I got to take this call. So I stepped outside, and James was like, hey, man. He said, uh, just want to let you know, he said, uh, we can get this on the books to uh, – uh, to record this album, he said, uh, of course, he said, you know, he said, we had to get approval from the boss man. He said, uh, Tyler, you know, gave his nod of, of approval on it. And uh, uh, so he said, uh, we think we can go go forward with it. So, you know, we talked out, we figured out the dates and stuff, and um, we, uh, we, we set it for early January. Um, I think it was January the 12th, 13th, and 14th, I think. Um, yeah, because we had some shows here. Yeah. Yeah, we had a, a, a 
two shows, I think it was. I think I missed uh, album release and, and, and John R. Miller. John R. Miller, yep. Because, uh, uh, you know, it, it would take a lot for me to miss a laid back in a John R. show. And, uh, you know, that that was a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And so uh, we loaded up, and, and we went up there and uh, set in for three days and put together, in my opinion, it's a damn good country music album. If you like country music, this is it, man. I'm telling you. Um, but you know, it was kind of it's kind of cool. We were sitting there talking to Barker, and uh, I said, you know, why did you, out of all the people, you know, I, I know you probably have a ton of people to hit you up. You know, why did you choose to do this album? He's like, man. He said, really? He said, he didn't sound like Tyler. He's like, everybody tries to sound like Tyler. He said, Tim's done his thing. He said, he's done it the way that he wants to do it. And he said, I re- we all, he said, every one of us that's playing on this album, he said, we really dig his music. We like what he's done. We like his writing. We like everything, his style. He said, you know, he said, it was, he said, when I played it for the boys, he said, every one of them was in right off. So, you know, that's, that's kind of how we got hooked up on that. I remember thinking, I, I mean, Jason was sending us pictures and, and little snippets, and uh, I think the best way you can describe it is like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> Absolutely. This dude was in hog heaven. and uh, But, the, I, I mean, just for me, just that little glimpse, I mean, you're watching history being made. I mean, oh. you're watching an album being made, and, and I remember – I can't remember. Did y'all record two days or three? We recorded two days. Full, probably, I think it ended up being about eight, nine, ten hours, something like that. And then we came back on Saturday morning and done some of the cleanups on stuff. There was there was one song, and, and I, won't, I won't tell which one of them it is, but Tim had sung this song. He literally wrote this song probably about three or four weeks before we went up there and he had never played it out in front of anybody or anything and so it was kind of a fresh fresh song to him and you know wasn't used to playing it and uh so there was one word that he left out on that song and it's a pretty key word but the way that he sang it it just it's kind of quick in the chorus so when he went through the course, and it's probably one of the only songs that Tim has that has a course in it. Mm-hmm. Now, Tim usually doesn't write with a course. So if, if you go to his shows, you'll notice, you know, there's not a, a lot of times he'll have a course. You know, everybody has a course, and they sing along with the course and stuff. If they don't know nothing else, they know the course. And, you know, Tim doesn't have that a lot. But, but anyway, that one song, he left out a word. And so there was like probably three cuts of that song. And so when he's going into it, we go by, or when we go back to to clean everything up on that one, we noticed it was out on that on the one we decided to keep. Well, James said, well, I'll just go over to one of the other songs and pull that single word out and pull it over into that. He missed on all three cuts. So Tim had to go back and record the whole section to get that one word back in, but it was an important word, mm-hmm. you know. So it was uh, it was kind of kind of cool to see that how they done it. But 
But yeah, we just basically cleaned up on on Saturday. So t- two full days and then half a day Saturday. <clears throat> I, I remember. I I, I want to think you you did a messenger call or something, and uh, we. I mean, just hey, here's the couple of takes of Son of Appalachia, mm-hmm. and trying to figure out which one we like the best, and. You know, Son of Appalachia, when people hear it, I mean, they, they heard the, the first snippet of it at the very beginning. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit out of Tim's wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. It's a little, got a little grit to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a little rock to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I heard, you know, you hear those different versions and they both sound amazing. Mm-hmm. And you're, but the, the fact that you all, you know, were interested in our perspective and, and what we thought about it, I mean, it just, I mean, even though, you know, your minds were probably already made up, just the fact that, you know, a couple of people in this little group chat, and you're thinking, let's get their point of view and, and what they like about this version or that version, which um, I think that song turns out, I mean, gives me chill bumps. Oh, man, listen, that, that song... I listened, so I, I was fortunate enough. I got the first CD off of the room. When they came in, he brought me the first CD. He, he hadn't even listened to it. He came to the theater to see, uh, it was it was the Logan Halstead album release, and he had just gotten them in. And he came in, and he brought me a CD. And I said, listen, I, I need you to sign this. He's like, man, you see me every day. I was like, sign this. I was like, I don't care. I said, because... I said, I was going to just put it up, but I said, I'm going to listen to it. But, you know, sign this because this is something I'm going to keep for the rest of my life. And uh, and then I'm not too big to admit it. I opened it up, and, and the inside of it, I read what he had wrote to put out there on the inside of it, and uh, I had tears running dripping. Uh, he put a lot of heart into that. But... Uh, since he gave that to me, that's been what? When, when was it? About two weeks. Yeah, probably two, three weeks ago. It was, a uh, matter of fact, it was the first Friday of this month, so it was the sixth, I think it was. That's when Logan's album was released, so probably three weeks now. That CD has not came out of my CD player. Now, listen, I follow this guy. I have I missed one show in two years. Well, year and a half. Uh, I've missed one show. And the show that I missed was the the Friday of Laurel Cove. He played at Frankie's Place. I think it's in... Moorhead. Moorhead, yeah. So he played Frankie's Place. And uh, uh, sometime you get him to tell you the story about Frankie's Place. It's a pretty, pretty cool little story. But anyway, uh, he... Uh, I, I've put that, that CD in there the night he gave it to me. And it's not came out. I listen to these songs at least two or three times a week, playing on stage and stuff. But hearing this with a full band and everything that's behind it, it will blow you away. But the the two songs that's on that album that I listen to just about on a loop, the entire CD is absolute the album is amazing but the two songs that i listen to son of appalachia if you want something it, it's kind of like growing up 
you know, when we was out riding around and you put in a whaling gin and CD and you put it on the Duke boys and it makes you want to drive fast, Sun Appalachia does, does the very same thing. Uh, I don't know how I've kept from getting a speeding ticket listening to this song. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just – but that, that song and uh, Mountain Queen, those are my two favorite songs on the album because they're a little bit more personal to me and, and I love them. But uh, Son of Appalachia, a lot of people are going to be surprised. Yeah. Um, so when we were in the, in the studio on Son of Appalachia, it was really cool, and, and I did. I sent uh, uh, our, our Laurel Cove uh, bunch, I sent it in the group chat, you know. I think we may have done a messenger call. I can't remember, but, but while they were recording it. but So it, it was kind of odd. It was kind of kind of weird how it happened. So Tim said, I want to do this one of two ways. I either want to do a bluegrass sound or I want to do a bluesy sound. So they started it out in the first take of the song. It was a really hard driving, like a rock and roll take to it and when he got done Tim was like you know that sounds awesome but he said I don't think that's exactly what I'm looking for he said let's try more bluesy so it, it actually happened by a complete mistake and you know as Bob Ross would say it was a happy mistake mm-hmm. because he he was ready to play and Rod Elkins goes to click it off, and Jesse Wells was in the middle. He was getting ready to tune his guitar, and he started clicking it off, and Jesse didn't have time to, to tune his guitar, so he was in some kind of funky tuning, and he just starts ripping on his guitar. And the way it flowed, it was absolutely perfect. And when we listened to it back, we were pretty well set on that song, but then after everybody else listened to it, it kind of stayed. And so I think people's going to be, it's a little different, mm-hmm. but I think people's going to receive it re- really well. I was going through and jotting down song titles and, and just kind of wanted to rattle a couple off. But you mentioned Mountain Queen, which is very um, fitting because it's about uh, Mountain Laurel Festival yep. uh, Queen. About Betty Baxter, which was the very first Mount Laurel Queen. Um, Tim Leanna was home one weekend. Uh, matter of fact, I think it may have been this weekend last year, probably Mount Laurel Festival or, or for the Laurel Cove Music Festival. It was one or the other. And they went into Walgreens and picked up a, a book about the history of Bell County. because, And he says it's because him and Leanna are that kind of nerds and, you know, <laughs> Uh, but it kind of fits because we're all three history buffs. So, um, anyway, um, he got to reading her about Betty Baxter. She was the very first Mount Laurel Queen. And he was, he tells it on stage. He says, you know, he said, uh, we, we really started picturing what, what she looked like and, and stuff. And he said, I've never seen a picture of her. And he said, I don't know if she has uh, auburn hair or whatever. But he said, I got a picture in my mind. And he said, and it was kind of from the husband's perspective of, of what's going on. And so he, him and Leanna, man, they're phenomenal at writing. Tim writes a song, and Leanna adds some of the, 
the description to it and, and adds all that extra detail in there and it just it, it, it does so much but I actually got to watch that song develop you know between shows and stuff and him just singing it and doing voice recordings but they wrote it about the lifespan of from the time she was crowned Mount Laurel Queen until her husband dies actually no anyway until one of them die at the end and uh, it's when she dies. So it takes her, her whole lifespan. And I didn't think the song could get more beautiful, but you had Jesse Wells in there on the fiddle, and then you put Barker on that steel guitar, and then, you know, you, you lay down all that other stuff behind it, man, and oh, my God, it was just... I had chill bumps. I'll say it for two days in that studio with chill bumps on my body. It, it's just amazing. You made a good point. Uh, that was one of the things I was wanting to talk about. Uh, so I'm glad you kind of kicked it off. Um, and, and Tim talks about this in his shows uh, a lot when he introduces a song. But you talked about him and, and Leanna writing together, Leanna's his wife. Uh, you know, they, they take, just like you said with Mountain Queen, they took a, a snippet out of a history of Bell County book and turned it into this just detailed story uh, about this lady's life, basically with just a name. Yeah, that's all they and had. And I know there's another, I can't remember what song it is, but he'll talk about, you know, watching TV mm -hmm. and something will pop up in a show or something and he starts thinking in what that person's thinking mm -hmm. and write a song based off of a character in a TV, you know, yeah. just something that they're watching. Yeah, so the, the one you're talking about is Jaron. Jaron didn't make the album, but uh, I'm sure it's going to be on a, on an album to come. But Jaron, that, that song blew my mind. And it's probably one of my favorite because during the time that he wrote it, my grandmother, she passed away from Alzheimer's. Um, and I watched the whole progression. And so him and Leanna were home for shows, and, and he jokes all the time. You know, when he left here, there was nothing in Kentucky. He goes to Alabama, you know, seven hours away, and now he's making a track back up here every weekend mm -hmm. because Kentucky's absolutely booming. But but anyway, he, he was home, and we had two shows that weekend, and they were just trying to come up with a song to write. And there's no, so his mom and dad moved down there as well to Alabama to work, but they still kept their house in Alabama, here in Kentucky. So that house, it doesn't have cable TV anymore, but they have internet. So they were had a Roku player and they were watching uh, Forge and Fire. And so they were watching and they paused the TV and they were talking about, you know, wanting to write a song and stuff, you know, the house was quiet and, he looks down the TV and it's paused, and this guy is making that's making this blade. His name is Jaron. He's like, hmm, this guy's name Jaron. So he came out, and I can't sing it like Tim, but he goes, uh, "My name is Jaron, and I'm a part-time bladesmith." You know, so he starts this because that's what it says. Yeah, Jaron, part-time <laughs> bladesmith. So he starts it and. You know, before he comes out, you know, this guy 
he's told this guy's story that he inherited this blacksmith shop from his papa or from mm-hmm. his dad, and his dad has Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's telling so how he makes how him and Leanna get that, it, it just it's mind blowing. So it kind of fitting with uh, the title of the album, True Stories and All Out Lies. Yeah, flat out lies. <laughs> flat yeah. out lies, sorry. Yeah. Uh, flat out lies. And just a couple of, I mean, standouts for me. Uh, I mean, the first song on the album, Carbide Lamp, uh, I mean, that reminds me of my dad working in the mines. Uh, it's just... Well, uh, you know, basically it's going back and it's talking about, you know, how these people worked in the coal mines and... You know, they were basically, I don't like to say this, but if you think about it in a sense, it was kind of like slavery, man. I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, these people were working like we work for a paycheck. You know, and we can spend it anywhere. They worked for this company. They lived on the company land in company housing. They got scrip, and they could only use it at the company store. So... The people that owned the coal mines, they were getting rich, and everybody else was just working for them. And that's it. They couldn't take that script and spend it anywhere mm-hmm. else. It was there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they belonged basically to those people until they quit, mm-hmm. you know. So that's kind of where that, that song came up, and it, it, it's a super cool song. I remember uh, you, I think you might have seen a snippet and uh, of Weathered and Worn, and my wife, Christina, uh, it's her favorite song, Weathered and Worn. I remember just, you know, we were sitting uh, in the bedroom listening and, I mean, just tears rolling down her face. I mean, it it hit her that hard, just that little snippet that we heard. And uh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song. That um, song was wrote, I think, I think Tim and Leanna knocked that song out in probably like, 30, 45 minutes. All their songs that's on this album, it was wrote like 30, 45 minutes. It, it blows my mind. But, you know, that song is basically, if you listen to it, it's about man and woman, they love each other, and they kind of, one of them thinks, the, the wife thinks that the husband doesn't find her attractive anymore. And, you know, so she's dealing with that and some anxiety and stuff with it. And the husband, you know, he drinks some, and, you know, he don't normally do it, but he hurts when he comes home from work, so he drinks a little bit in the evenings and stuff, and he don't think he's good enough. And then they end up at the end, it ends up, it's it's one of the few songs that Tim ends up, it's a happy ending in mm-hmm. the end, you know. Yeah. Because uh, if you ask Tim, and, and even me, the best country song is a sad song. Yeah. You know? So. Uh, the last one I wanted to kind of hit on, uh, Sad Bird Still Sings. Uh, he, one of the things that I think that that Tim does such a great job at is is shining a light on mental health. Absolutely. Uh, every time he introduces this song, very very similar intro every time, but you know he makes a point to talk about mental health, and um, you know that's something that you don't hear a lot of. Right. Yeah. So, you know. I don't care to, to say it. I'm not too big of a man, you know. I, I have some anxiety issues. Um, it's it's you know, I I know we didn't discuss this in the you know, to start out with when we was kinda of giving the intro and stuff, but you know, I, I've worked with uh the Frank's Volunteer Fire Department for the 
last, well, July will be 27 years. And I've seen a lot of stuff, uh, stuff I'd never want anybody else to ever see. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I do it is because, you know, I always said that if something happened to my mom and dad, I'd want somebody to come to them, you know, so I feel like I need to go help other people. And so I've, for the last 27 years, I've dedicated myself to helping the community that I live in through the fire department. And I've seen some stuff, man, I, I wouldn't want anybody to see. And after a while, it starts taking a toll on you. And you start thinking about, you know, you know, you start having these weird dreams and stuff. And it, and it, it ends up, it, it, it doesn't only affect your mental state, it, it ends up, it, it affects your overall your your mental health, your your fit. Like some days when I get this anxious feeling, sometimes you know, I mean, it's hard to breathe. It's hard to just to to do things, and you know, you have to suck it up and go on, and and it sucks. But you know, for years there was a stigma behind it. And I think that we're finally getting to the point to where people's realizing that this is really because you know, used to people didn't talk about mental health. If you talk about mental health, if you said anything, hey, you know, I have anxiety or stuff, they'd say one of two things. You're, you know, you're making this up in your head or, you know, ah, he just don't want to work. He just, you know, he, he's got, you know, it, it's a real true thing. And it's sad that I always, you know, somebody say I have anxiety and stuff and, you know, they'd have panic attacks. And I was like, man, they're just blowing this up. And they're just blowing this, blowing smoke, you know. Until it happened to me, mm -hmm. and you know, I was like, "Man, this is real." And uh, you know, <clears throat> that song means a lot to me. And I feel like, and Tim tells us at the beginning of every show, he says, "This song is about mental health, and we don't feel like enough light is 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 shown on mental health, and you know, there's a stigma behind it, and you know." We want to get out in front of it. We want to help these people. And he always says, if you're here in the crowd and you're dealing with this, we're glad that you're here to hear this song. And we want you to know that we love you. And, you know, we hope this song can help you in some way. And, you know, he, he'll tell you straight up, you know, the stigma behind it, it's bullshit. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, we need to start taking care of our mental health and stuff. Because it's every bit as important as anything else that's going on. So that song, it resonates with so many people. And there, there's this one guy, and I'm not going to mention any names, but there's this one guy that he comes to, oh, God, oh, my God, I don't know how many shows he's been to, but he's become a friend of ours through Tim's music, and that's how... He, that's that's what first drawn him drew him in to Tim's music was Sad Bird Still Sings because it resonates so hard with what he was dealing with mm -hmm. right now. And I think a lot of people, if you'll sit down and listen to it, you know, um, it starts out, you know, I thank the Lord that I woke up happy today. You know, that's some powerful words, you know. Mm -hmm. When you wake up and you just wake up and you're just thankful to be able to wake up happy, you know, and you don't feel like the weight of the world is is on their shoulders, man. That that's that's just something for you know. And a lot of people they wake up and they're just miserable. You know, if you wake up happy, it's a good day. You know, so 
that that song it's powerful and i and a lot of people heard it on the ep and it was it was good and and, and you know the lyrics itself can carry it for from now on but when you add you know craig and jesse and james and and rod elkins behind it man that song is just magical on this album. It's great. Well, we've <clears throat> about a little over an hour. I think we could sit and talk about this album all night. We could talk about Tim all night. We could talk about Laurel Cove and music all night. But I'd say we need to go ahead and start wrapping up. Um, I'd definitely like to get Tim uh, on and, and talk to Tim sometime once the album gets rolling. And... Um, you know, kind of get his take on it too. But um, before we cut out of here, is there anything you'd like us to know? Uh, you know, this like like Josh said, this album it it's uh, it drops Friday, actually Thursday night at midnight, which is Friday morning. Um, if you'll go to uh, uh, any of the social medias, uh, Instagram. Facebook, Twitter, any of those, um, timgoodmusic.com or uh, Tim Good Music on all social platforms. He says he keeps it Tim Good Music because uh, it's simple. And uh, he said, I have uh, trouble remembering stuff myself. <laughs> so I kept it simple, Tim Good Music. If you'll go to it, uh, please get out there, pre-order, First day, get on there, order that album Friday. All those go toward the charting for the next week. Uh, we'd like to chart big. If we can chart big, you know, maybe we can gain some some uh, some bigger sponsors and and stuff. And because uh, face it, you know, Tim's got a really good job. I've got a really good job, and we still that's the thing. We work. We still work full time. You know, we do this on weekends. We work for, and we really hate clocking in on Monday morning <laughs> after. You know, Tim drives at least 14 hours round trip. And then, you know, plus all the driving we have to go to these. We just went to Darien, Georgia this weekend, this past weekend, which is eight and a half hours for me. You know, so I had 17 hours just drive time for these shows. We would really like to quit clocking in on, <laughs> on Monday mornings to be able to do this full time. And, you know, you guys can make that happen. And, uh, you know, but we are very fortunate. Uh, we are very, very blessed for the fans that we have. They're loyal fans, man. Mm -hmm. um, we've got some um, – I don't want to name names because if I start naming names, I'll leave somebody out. But we have a few – it doesn't matter what we post on Facebook. They're sharing it. Um, we got some that makes crazy, crazy, crazy mileage coming to the shows and just turns out week in, week out for these shows and follows us. And we're just blessed, man. That, that's, that's, the, that's the best thing that I can say is we're blessed. Um, I'm blessed to have the support system back home. Um, you know, my guys with, with Laurel Cove, and I'm not going to jump into names on that either because I'm probably going to screw up and, and forget somebody's name. But I'm going to say, you know, one thing, John Grace, that dude, I call him about anything. He helps. He jumps straight on board and helps us, you know, get a show somewhere. 
He helps me. And then my two guys that I always go to, Daniel Crawford and Josh Trosper, I get in the, our group chat for the management company, you know, for the farm. I get on there and say, hey, guys, I got this going on. You know, what do y'all think? What can you do? They give me unbiased opinions on things, and that's the most important thing. It's unbiased. You know, it's not because, hey, this is my buddy. You know, they tell me straight up, and I appreciate that. And um, we're trying to grow the farm, uh, trying to make it into something. Um, I, I think we're headed in the right direction. We've got Tim uh, talking to a couple other people right now, um, and we'd really like to make a go of, of, of the farm. Uh, I, I'd like to I like to quit my day job. <laughs> so I know the feeling. Uh, and and like we said before, Tim's independent artist. There's Absolutely. no record label. There's you know this is this is all him. Um, and so every every cent from record sold uh, is is. It's fueling the truck. It's fueling it's, the truck. Uh, it's food in our bellies when we go to these shows. And, you know, we, we've had a, a, a few offers from, from you know, a couple of places and stuff. We've had a few offers. But, you know, they want to they want to turn you into what they want mm -hmm. you to be. And that's, you know, there's too many artists out there that's went that route and miserable. Jamie Johnson. Mm -hmm. Jamie Johnson. He... You know, he never even made an album for like, well, he's still not made an album because he's still under under that record label. Sturgill Simpson, he made a, what, a million-dollar video uh, for Netflix with Sound and Fury and then didn't promote it and dropped it in their lap and mm -hmm. so that they would get rid of it. You know, we don't want to be those people. We, we want, we've learned enough from those people mm -hmm. to realize that, you know, th this is – we're going to do it on our own. We – we work Monday through Friday, gig on Saturday, Friday, Saturday nights, and hope that this works out and we can make it on our own. Well, I think this album is is going to turn the tide. I hope so. I hope so. And it, and if if you're out there listening, download this album, pre-order it, whatever you have to do, get this album out, listen to it. Uh, not just because we hate our jobs, and and well, no, I won't say we hate our jobs. Just because we're tired of clocking in on Monday morning, we want to work for ourselves. But because this album is that good. I mean, you got Tim's voice and you got the food stamps backing him. You can't beat that. You can't beat that. All right, guys. Thank you all very much for listening. Jason, love you, brother. Love you, can't man. Wait to, uh, can't wait to hear it. Oh, man, it's, it's, it's great. <laughs>